Hi, Craig. Hi, Craig. Hi, Craig. Hi, Craig. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the paddock. Today, we're going to talk all things Nico Hulkenberg for another driver spotlight. On the call with you today is Melissa, Hannah, Casey, and myself, Leanne. So I'm just going to let Melissa jump right into all things Nico. Let's go. So Nicholas Hulkenberg, better known as Nico Hulkenberg, was born on August 19th, 1987. He will actually be celebrating his 36th birthday in just a few days. And it's kind of weird to me how I'm only four years younger than him. Age differences kind of just always weird me out sometimes. Anyways, he was born and raised in Emmerich, Emrein, and North Rhine-Westphalia in West Germany. When looking into some information about his personal life and just about him in general, there really wasn't any. So this man really knows how to keep his personal life private. His father, Klaus Dieter, currently owns a shipping company in their hometown, all while his mother, Suzanne Hulkenberg, works as a freight forwarding agent at his father's business. Nico currently lives in Monaco with his wife, fashion designer, and I'm really sorry about this mispronunciation, Igel Rusti. Again, sorry. Together, they have a two-year-old daughter. The fun fact about Nico, he is also multilingual. He is fluent in German, Dutch, French, and English. So now let's get into his karting days and learn more about F1's Hulk. So Hulkenberg made his karting debut in 1997 at the age of 10. In 2001, he got first in the Italian Open Masters, also known as the ICA Junior. And the following year, he got first place again in 2002. He was a German junior karting champion, and the following year, in 2003, he won the German kart championship as well. Also, in 2002, he was in the junior division. In 2003, he graduated to the senior division. Now, into the single-seater realm. So, Formula BMW was Nico Hulkenberg's debut into single-seater racing, and he started off pretty strong winning his rookie season and crushing all of the competition in the Rookie Cup, which is a competition between all of the rookie drivers in Formula BMW. And he drove for Joseph Kaufman Racing and went on to win eight out of the 20 races, had 14 podiums and 10 pole positions. Unfortunately, he was stripped of his win at the Formula BMW World Final due to claims that he brake tested his rivals during a safety car period. His main rival during this championship was former F1 driver and four-time winner of the 24 Hours of Le Mans, Sebastian Wemmy, and he also raced against current F1 competitor Sergio Perez. So now on to the A1 Grand Prix. So Hulkenberg joined the German A1 GP team for the 2006-2007 season. He obtained nine wins total this year as a rookie and made him the most successful driver in the A1 GP history. It meant he was also single-handedly won Germany, the championship, with 128 points, which was 35 more points than the New Zealand team. Furthermore, as he switched over to the Formula 3 in 2007-2008, he ended up finishing fifth in the German F3 championship, also known as the ATS F3 Cup, in 2006 but for the 2007 season, he switched to the F3 Euro Series with the ASM team. Lewis Hamilton was also on that team in the previous year. He ended up finishing his rookie season third in the championship and as 
four wins, totaling 72 points for that year. His final year with F3, he won the non-championship Masters of Formula 3 race. After an impressive series, he took home the Formula 3 Euro Series Championship in 2008. He got seven wins and a total of 85 points. Nico continued on to the second level Formula 2 GP2 level of racing in the 2008-2009 GP2 Asia Series with Art Grand Prix, where he had some stellar performances, including taking pole his first race and also being the first night race winner for the series, but ultimately finished sixth. So it's just the beginning for Hulkenberg as he went on to race in the 2009 GP2 Series, also for Art Grand Prix, with teammate Pastor Maldonado. After a decent start to the season, Nico had an amazing weekend at his home race at Nuremberg taking his first win of the season and a clean sweep by also winning the sprint race, taking pole position, and fastest lap for both races. He finished his rookie season winning the GP2 title with two races to spare, the first driver to win the championship without needing a final round. Having won the GP3 championship the year before as a rookie, Nico joined Lewis Hamilton and was followed by George Russell, Charles Leclerc, and Oscar Piastri in a group of drivers who have won consecutive GP3 F3 and GP2 F2 championships. Quite an impressive group there. So before we dive into him officially driving for Williams, let's talk about his first glimpse in F1, aka Williams. So Hulkenberg first drove a Formula One car in a test for Williams in 2007. During the two-day test, Hulkenberg had outpaced Williams' current driver, Kazuki Nakama, and had a lap time of 0.4 seconds slower than Nico Rosberg. Hulkenberg's performance at the test led to the Williams team signing him as a test driver, where he competed in several test sessions. His test contract with Williams had extended for 2009, despite in-season tests being banned for the remainder of the season. Hulkenberg would also act as the team's reserve driver in the event of the regular drivers being unable to compete. So that's a little glimpse and now on to him driving for Williams in 2010. So Hulkenberg's teammate for his first season would be experienced driver Rubens Baruchello. And Hulkenberg made his debut at the Bahrain Grand Prix. So in the third round in Malaysia, Hulkenberg made it to Q3 for the first time, qualifying in fifth place where he out-qualified teammate Baruchello for the first time. Hulkenberg was set to finish 11th in the race until Fernando Alonso blew his engine three laps from the end, thus promoting Hulkenberg to 10th place and with the new four like the new point system in 2010, Hulkenberg, along with Jamie Algersari, sorry if I said that wrong, scored their first points in Formula One. At the Hungarian Grand Prix, he finished sixth, and that was a career best for him. He also picked up points in Italy, Singapore, and Korea. Towards the end of the season, there were reports that he could lose his seat at Williams to the GP2 Series Championship, Pastor Maldondo, due to the money Maldondo could bring to the team. Forest India's Adrian Sotul was also linked to replace Hulkenberg at Williams. On November 6, Hulkenberg gained his first Formula 1 pole position by 1.049 seconds over Sebastian Vettel at the Brazilian Grand Prix in a rain-affected qualifying session. 
This was the Williams team's first pole position since the 2005 European Grand Prix after losing the lead on the opening lap. He eventually finished the race in eighth place, having been passed by drivers in more competitive cars. Quite sad. After the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, though, in the close of the season, team boss Frank Williams confirmed that Hulkenberg would not be driving for the team in 2011. So on January 26, 2011, it was announced that Nico Hulkenberg would be Force India's reserve driver for the season. There was planned that Hulkenberg would be driving just in the Friday practice sessions. So Nico had drove the practice sessions for Force India in all the races except for Monaco, Hungary, the Korean, Indian, and Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. By December 26, 2011, it was announced that Nico would be promoted to a driver for Force India and would be driving with Paul De Vista for the 2012 season. He had earned his first points for Force India at the Malaysian Grand Prix. There, he started at 16th place and finished in 9th. At the Belgian Grand Prix, Nico had his best finish in Formula 1, having finished in 4th at race. And at the last race of the season, the Sao Paulo Grand Prix, Nico was starting from P5 after being moved up due to Pastor Maldonado receiving a 10th place grid penalty. Nico took the lead by lap 19, overtaking Fernando Alonso, Lewis Hamilton, and Jensen Button. However, around lap 55, Nico did collide with Lewis when the back of Nico's car slid out while taking, like, going to the front of Lewis. This caused Lewis to DNF, and Nico got a drive-through penalty, causing the incident. All of this caused Nico to finish the race in P5, and there we see his possible first win just being slipped away that quick. In the 2012 season, Hulkenberg ended the season at P11, 17 points ahead of his teammate, Paul De Resta. Nico Hulkenberg wouldn't stay with Force India for the 2013 season, instead driving for Sauber. He got off to a pretty horrible start in Australia, being unable to even race due to a fuel system leak, but he managed to finish in the points for 10 out of the 19 races that season, with a best qualifying position of 3rd in the Italian Grand Prix and best finishing position of 4th at the Korean Grand Prix after some intense battles with Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso. Nico finished the season 10th in the World Drivers' Championship, which is a decent position for his time with Sauber, but it wouldn't be for very long. So on December 3rd, 2013, it was announced that Nico Hulkenberg would be making his return as a driver for Force India for the 2014 season alongside Sergio Checo Perez. In the first three races of the 2014 season, Nico was able to finish amongst the top five of the grid. In this season, Nico was consistent with his point scoring and he ended the season in ninth place with 96 points. This was Nico's best career finish in the championship. By October 2014, Force India confirmed Nico would continue driving with them for the 2015 season alongside Checo. After the Australian Grand Prix, Nico did not score any points until the Canadian Grand Prix that 2015 season. And in Hungary, during the race, he dealt with a big incident at Turn 1 where his front wing detached and he drove over it. This caused him to get some air and then go into the barriers. He went from 4th place to not even finishing the race, obviously. Nico continued to struggle to get points in his very uncompetitive car, and he ended up finishing the 2015 season in 10th place with 58 points. He was 20 points behind his teammate, Checo. Nico continued to drive for Force India into the 2016 
season alongside Checo once again. It was the same story for Nico this season where he continued to struggle to finish in the points. It was either Nico would have a great qualifying session, but then something would happen to him race day, or the podium and the points were so close, and again, they just slip away. His best finish of the season was at the Belgian Grand Prix, where Nico finished in fourth. In this race, he was initially in the second place. After the first lap, was Sally was overtaken by Lewis Hamilton and Danny Ricardo in their faster cars. Nico finished the 2016 season in ninth place with 72 points in the championship. And then that same year in 2014, in November to be exact, so we're going to take a little detour to two years ago, where it was confirmed that Nico Hulkenberg would be competing in the 2015-24 hour Le Mans in a third factory baked Porsche 919 hybrid. He also participated in the 2015 Spa Round the Endurance World Championship as a way to prepare himself for Le Mans. There on June 14, 2015, Nico, alongside Nick Tandy and Earl Bamber, both from New Zealand, won Le Mans. They raced a total of 365 laps, one lap ahead of their Porsche teammates, Mark Weber, Brendan Hartley, and Timo Bernard. This win was also Porsche's first win since the 1998 24-hour Le Mans, and Nico's win made him the first active F1 driver to win Le Mans since Johnny Herbert and Bernard Hacot in 1991. And then on to Reynolds. So on October 14, 2016, Reynolds Sports announced that Hulkenberg had signed a multi-year agreement to race with the Reynolds Sport Formula One team. He got his first points for the team at the third race of the season in Bahrain. I see a little bit of a trend there. With ninth place, uh, followed by eighth in Russia, Hulkenberg then finished sixth place in Spain, Reynolds' best result in the sport since returning in 2016. Now, there was a pretty rough race between Hulkenberg and Magnussen, where Hulkenberg rudely confronted Magnussen while he was being interviewed by Danish TV in the media pen, labeling him nasty and the most unsporting driver of the whole grid. And Magnussen calmly responded with, uh, I'm not going to say this out loud, but it basically is uh, inappropriate. And Hulkenberg entered the summer break with 26 points and 10th in the championship. This confirmed Reynolds' position as 6th in the Constructors' Championship and moved Hulkenberg up to 43 points for the season. The same as Massa, but courtesy of more 6th place finishes, he ended the season 10th in the standings. He had outqualified his teammates over the course of the season by 19 and 1 and outscored his teammate 43 to 14. And now on to the 2018 season. Hulkenberg remained at Reynolds alongside new driver Carlos Sainz, who was competing for his first full season with the Reynolds F1 team. Hulkenberg and Reynolds started the season well with seventh and two sixth places in the first three races. Hulkenberg suffered a tough period of results, conceding with Reynolds' loss of competitiveness, but only scoring one point in the next four races. He bounced back with a sixth-place finish at the USGP. With Sainz finishing in seventh, this was the best team result for Reynolds in the race since they rejoined the sport in 2016, beating the seventh and eighth place in the two drivers had achieved in Canada earlier in the year. 
This was followed by another strong race in Mexico with another sixth place. His season ended with two concessive retirements, though, due to high engine temperatures in Brazil. And after being rolled over into the barriers by Romain Grosjean in Abu Dhabi. Nevertheless, he finished the season as the champion of the rest in seventh place with 69 points, seven points ahead of Sergio Perez, as Reynolds also secured fourth place in the Constructor Championship. I will also note that this was the year that Romain Grosjean had crashed into the barrier and had a really significant crash. And prior to that, Nico had been kind of anti-Halo, but after seeing that crash, he went on publicly saying like, dude, I see why the Halo really is there now, and I'm pro-Halo, and he became a very big advocate of that. So for the 2019 season, Hulkenberg was joined by Reynolds and multiple Grand Prix winner Daniel Ricciardo, who was signed from Red Bull previously. So going into it, Hulkenberg yet to score a podium in 158 races by the beginning of the 2019 season, said his future in the sport depends on the outcome of his duel and his ability to be measured against a Grand Prix winner. For the first time since his rookie season in 2010, when he had a teammate called Rubens Baruchello at Williams. Meanwhile, Reynolds managing director Cyril and I'm sorry for this last name, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but Abbott Bull, sorry, believed that the driver pairing was one of the strongest, if not the strongest, driver lineup on the grid. So Hulkenberg started the season strongly, out-qualifying new teammate Ricardo at his home race, but an engine issue prevented him from racing Q3, leaving him in 11th. He had quite a rough year through with a mix of good qualifying races, but rough races um, with little to no points in the standings, leaving Reynolds doubting whether to keep him or not. Just before the Belgian GP, though, it was officially announced that Reynold, by Reynold that Hulkenberg would be replaced by Mercedes reserve driver and former Force India driver Esteban Ocon for the 2020 season. Hulkenberg said the decision was not only about performance, alluding that the French Reynold team desired a French driver, aka Ocon, and four-time world champion Alan Prost actually said as a non-executive driver for Reynold Sports at the time, said that Reynold offered Hulkenberg a new one-year contract only, which gave him an option of another year to kind of prove himself, but the German driver actually refused um, the offer due to only wanting a either full two-year contract or a multi-year contract going forward. So with that, and having failed to score a driver's seat, or so we thought for the 2020 season, he finished the season in 14th place, his lowest place in the sport since his debut season in 2010, having scored only 37 points across the season, 17 less than his teammate Daniel Ricciardo. But he wouldn't be leaving Formula One entirely for the 2020 season. And kind of here begins the origin of Hulkenberg, the super sub. Having no receipt or contract for the 2020 season, he was available as a substitute for the Racing Point F1 team. He would end up subbing for Sergio Perez, who actually he's been competing against since like 2005. These two have been driving together for forever. He would sub for him two times at the Silverstone circuit uh, for the 
First one, the British Grand Prix, he wouldn't get to start due to an engine failure, but at the second race, the 70th Anniversary Grand Prix, he qualified an impressive third and managed to finish seventh, getting points. He would also sub for Lance Stroll at the Eiffel Grand Prix, making an impressive run from 20th up to 8th, earning himself driver of the day, even though he wasn't officially on the grid. He would officially sign with the team uh, as a reserve and development driver after they changed their name to Aston Martin in 2021. He would also stay with the team for 2022, and he subbed for Sebastian Vettel at the Bahrain Grand Prix and the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, finishing 17th and 12th respectively. He got into the Aston Martin one last time for the Pirelli test for the 2023 tires after the 2022 Hungarian Grand Prix. In November 2022, it was announced that Nico Hulkenberg would be joining Haas, teaming up with Kevin Magnussen for the 2023 season. This was all while Nico was replacing fellow German driver Mick Schumacher. And I just want to say, I remember when this all went down and social media was just having a field day with Nico replacing Mick. And I felt bad because it was like neither driver were to blame for this decision and change. Like it happens beyond their control. And I just want to say that. So that's just always been my feelings about it. So in the first race of the season in Bahrain, Nico finished in P15 behind his teammate and had a 15-second penalty due to exceeding track limits. Fortunately for Nico, the penalty did not affect the outcome of his finish that day. And by the Australian Grand Prix, Nico was able to benefit from an incident that occurred during the race at lap 57. Nico was able to get close to the podium in P4, but due to the third flag of that race, it was ruled that the drivers will be restarting the race where they were originally were before the incident. Haas did try to protest the decision after the race, but it was un- unsuccessful. Later on in the season at the Canadian Grand Prix, Nico was able to qualify in P2 in wets after, again, benefiting from a red flag incident. Currently, he has nine points and is in 14th in the current Drivers' Championship. He is also ahead of his teammate, Kevin, who has two points and is in 18th. But we'll have to see where each of them ends up at the season, especially now that we know more, well, more so we don't know who will be driving in the Haas next year. So let's see. You know, it's quite funny how Nico and Magnuson, like Nico and Kevin, had um, beef at one point, and now they are teammates. It's almost like coming full circle, and I wonder if the beef is still prevalent. What do y'all think? I feel like it is low-key, but they're probably just really, like, passive-aggressive with each other just to keep the peace, but, you know, they're damn well, like, mumbling something under their breath or something like that i don't know they seem like they've really like mellowed out and as they've gotten older and plus like they're like both dad girl dads so i feel like that's something to bond over and they're like their kids around the same age and i don't know they're just kind of in like that same place in life so maybe they've overcome kind of the uh immature rivalry of of their younger years I totally forgot that they were both girl dads, and so I wonder if they have a lot of common there. So to go back a few years to 2021, where Hulkenberg participated in IndyCar testing, it was a private testing center at Barber Motorsports Park, driving the number seven Aero McLaren SP, also known as the AMSP car. After completing over 100 laps, he set a best time of 
four, five, four seconds to be exact in his first test, roughly a second off of the fastest time, which was set by 2021 Indy Lights runner up David Malikas. But after being actually asked if he wanted to be an Indy driver, he actually declined the opportunity to pursue a career in Indy with McLaren stating that he was unwilling to race on ovals and that he found the Dallara DW12, which was the car at the time, to be significantly harder to drive physically than the Formula 1 car he was used to. Although refusing to race Indy cars because of the oval tracks, Hulkenberg does actually have race experience on a super speedway as part of his 2006 German Formula 3 championship campaign for Joff Kampfmann Racing. He raced at the ADAC East Side 100 and oval race on the Euro Speedway Lussie, which I was always a little confused about because, you know, well, I always find Indy so fascinating and how the crossover between Indy and Formula 1 is so close to each other because they talk about it all the time and the reserve drivers sometimes come from Indy. But I understand the fact that most people don't want to race on ovals because I do feel like it's significantly more dangerous. But I also do feel like a lot of F1 drivers want to be in Indy to experience the different types of speedways more as well. So interesting. So now that we've gotten into his career in f1 and motorsport in general we're all wondering what does he do outside of f1 um so fun fact nico actually has his own team in the east Gorder championship named 27x by nico hulkenberg he has also donated to the alpine stars and has been known to donate a pair of his racing boots to the small steps foundation i love a good charity work and those two things that he does especially the racing boots is actually pretty cool and I guess one of the uh, remaining questions for this year is, will Nico Hulkenberg stay at Haas? Technically, it has not been confirmed uh, who the Haas drivers will be for 2024 season, even though it's at this point it's fairly likely it will remain the same. Um, but Nico has stated that he you know, plans to keep on racing. I mean, if Fernando's doing it at 42, you know, Nico's a lot younger. He can keep going. And he just wants to keep racing in Formula One. And he plans to treat every race kind of as his final race, just in case. And he wants to make his resume look as good as it, he possibly can. So maybe potentially after, you know, the 2024 silly season, which might get a little crazy, potentially he can nab um, a seat in one of the top teams as like a good, solid second driver. I mean, anything can happen. and He's kind of prepared for that. Honestly, could you imagine Hulkenberg in a top in a top seat? I mean, he's never had the opportunity to really do so. I mean, I know Lewis Hamilton is a shoe in, but just imagine like Hulkenberg in a Mercedes car. He's never had the car like a really really good car to drive with. I mean, don't get me wrong. Reynolds done good, you know, Force India's done good, Williams has done good, but they've never been dominant cars, dominant teams. So if let's say he was in a Mercedes, do you think he would do good or do you think he'd be the same? We I don't think we'll ever really know. I, I think he's still chasing after that that podium. And I think that would definitely help. I mean, he let's just say Checo seat is up in 2024 and 
you know, he is friends with Max. So potentially, you know, join, join Red Bull as like a solid, because they want like a solid second driver who's not going to like fight with Max. And potentially he can finally, after like, it feels like almost 20 years, <laughs> get a podium. Because that car is insane. But, I mean, he's never driven a car that's just, like, that much better than everyone else. So, I think it would be interesting to see. Yeah, I never thought about the Red Bull, like, teammate dynamic between him and Max. Because, like you said, I feel like Nico has mellowed out a lot since before he was a little temperamental. And so, I feel like Max's temper would be eased by Nico because Nico can kind of advise him as like an I don't want to say elder driver because he's not old but an experienced driver and you know I could just imagine what that team would be like and I feel like if he got a podium a podium once like first place second place and got to experience that feeling he would be a little bit more comfortable retiring than always kind of just almost getting there but never fully succeeding because he has good qualifyings but then when it comes to the consistency of keeping pace over a whole race period that I think he struggles with and I don't know if it's necessarily him or if it's the car but I do wonder what that looks like so if Nico does I guess join a top team like how long do you think he would stay in the top team like, as soon as he gets, like, that, like, podium or, like, if he has, a, like, a race win, potentially, because if it's a good car, I mean, potentially you could win. You know, would he be like, okay, I've done enough, you know, time to spend time with my family? Or would he, be, like, finally get that taste of winning and or, like, doing well and just never, never stop? Just keep going forever. Well, we know if he joins Red Bull, he's going to be, like, axed in, like, two days if he's not performing well. So there's that. But no, I think it'd be cool to see how he would perform like in other top teams. And if he like Casey had mentioned, if he gets that taste of like a victory, like is he going to have that crave to just keep on going or he's going to be like, OK, I got my one. I'm like, good to go. Bye. So I don't know. It'd be cool to see. And I'm always just like curious if that change from like a not so well, well performing car to a top performing car, if like that can affect even like your driving ability to a point where it's just like you're not doing that great or you're okay or you expected better you were expected to perform better and it's not coming i could see him if he's with like a good significant team that's getting him points and podiums i could see him sticking around for maybe two years i don't see him signing a one-year contract unless it's with the top team and they kind of force him to um because it kind of seems like he really wants that multi-year contract or at least a two-year contract that he probably feels like he deserves. But since it's his first year at Haas, I feel like it would be weird if he moved so soon. So like I could see him staying another year, as much as I feel like a top team would benefit him both ways. And then another thing to think about is who would be a good teammate for him like a dream teammate scenario would we probably keep like a little bit more experienced driver like Sebastian Vettel Fernando Alonso who you know have been racing with him for years or like a new up-and-coming younger driver like a Mick Schumacher or um, Foreman German 
or uh, like a Max Verstappen. I mean, I feel like there's so many possibilities. I was actually just going to say, make Schumacher, just make like the German dream team. Because I think like someone his own age, there might be like some tensions because like they're the same age, they've had the same life experience. But if it's like a younger guy, he can kind of like mentor them and spread the wisdom along, I guess, but allow him to kind of like be the main driver. Um, Because if there's not like a one or two scenario, I feel like that can cause tensions to to rise potentially but if it's a very clear okay here's the number one here's number two then i guess that makes things a little easier but i think any of like the younger drivers so you know mick or you know i think even like yuki i think would be fun i'd just be like a really out there pairing but i feel like their personalities would go well together in a weird way but i think that would just be a fun pairing to have so I, too, was thinking Mick when Hannah brought up that question. I was just like, it'd be cool to see, you know, two Germans together and possibly in the perfect world driving for Audi. How cool would that be having the two F1 German drivers driving for the actual German team? I mean, Mercedes, yeah, they're German, but they're based in the UK. So it's like a little bit different, but Audi will be in Germany as far as I know. So I think that'd be cool. Um, but definitely probably someone younger just so he can be like that mentor to that younger driver. I was thinking probably like someone like Logan, just so like he can have like, again, that guidance as mentioned before. And I was just like, maybe for fun, Danny Rick again, just because I felt like that pairing was like, so chaotic and not at the same time and you just know the social media people or like the marketing the pr people will be having a field day just having that content and danny just constantly saying his last name as wild as possible something fun to watch you know now that you say that logan probably needs a nico in his life and i don't think nico has ever had the opportunity to really mentor a driver or even like morph a driver to like how Formula One works and what to expect throughout the career. And as someone who has a kid and as someone who really does like kids, because he's been very known to like kids, he probably would like take them under his wing and be like, let's go. I caught you. Especially since like Logan is kind of like a little duckling when it comes to Alex. He just kind of follows him around and like kind of watches him to make to learn. So I think like it would also work well for Logan too, because that's already what he kind of does. And I think he would like he would probably, you know, enjoy being Mother Hand a little bit to kind of help him acclimate more to the crazy lifestyle of of F1. Since Logan had to kind of uproot his life from Florida to kind of like move overseas to pursue his dream. While he's got a family and whatnot, he probably needs that dad in like motorsports. And while I know that they're closer in age, I mean, it still like you still have that dad, like that mentor, that person who kind of helps you get through the sport and experience and everything. So I think Logan needs a dad. Nico, let's go. I mean, he's already a real dad. The next step is obviously like grid dad. Listen, we all have that work bestie that's like either years older than us or years younger than us. 
And it's that most like wholesome relationship. And we need that ASAP between Nico and Logan now. I don't know who we need to talk to, but let's make it happen. Don't worry. I'm making this phone call after we get off the call. Don't know who, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, get, get Gina on the phone. That's, it's the Haas way. And with that phone call in the works to uh, Jean from Gunter, let's go ahead and move into our pre-outro. We're going to have a driver quote. And this is something from Nico Hulkenberg directly, where he says, I believe in hard work and good decisions, and the rest of it will come or it doesn't. He really does breathe and remind yourself of this quote multiple times throughout his career, as it's something he's kind of had to struggle with with Formula One as he's kind of like jumped from team to team to team. And he he kind of always reminds you that things happen, good decisions come, and the rest of it kind of will figure itself out. That wraps up another driver spotlight. Don't worry, we are making our way through the grid this season. Who's been your favorite so far? And who do you look forward to hear about? Let us know on our socials. Ever we are at Paddock Girls Podcast, except Twitter. There you can find us at Paddock Girls Pod. And also, don't forget to share, rate, and review the podcast wherever you listen, like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We even post our episodes on YouTube. The countdown to Lights Out continues. 16 days to go, and then we can finally hear those engines again. Thank you so much for joining us in the paddock. See you next time. Bye, Craig. See you later, Craig. Bye, Craig. Bye, Craig.